Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. You've heard about a big change coming to local media with WBEZ's acquisition of the Chicago Sun-Times. And it's got a lot of folks wondering, what does that mean? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, today we're going to take a step back and take a look at the big picture. What does the future hold for local news, both here in Chicago and at the national level? And here to help us do that is Mark Jacob, former Metro editor at the Chicago Tribune. Before that, he was the Sunday editor at the Sun-Times. He recently wrote a lengthy story for the Medill Local News Initiative about Chicago's fast-transforming media landscape. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Also joining us is Victor Picard. He's co-director of the Media Inequity and Change Center at the University of Pennsylvania. Professor Picard is also the author of several books, including Democracy Without Journalism, Confronting the Misinformation Society, and America's Battle for Media Democracy. Welcome back, Professor. Thank you, Sasha. Mark, I'll start with you. You wrote that detailed analysis of the Chicago media landscape for uh, Medill's local news initiative. It was refreshingly optimistic, Mark. So give us some of the main takeaways from all the research you did. Anyone who's paid attention to this scene in the last few decades has seen that it's often been disinvestment, lower staff than many of the major institutions, such as the Tribune and Sun-Times, and and just dysfunction and less local news coverage. And so it's been kind of a very depressing story for a while. But just in the last few years, there have been some very, I think, optimistic changes. Uh, The BEZ Sun-Times merger, two things about that. I mean, BEZ has, in my opinion, really stepped up as a a major force in journalism in Chicago. And the Sun-Times does a lot of good work, but it's struggled financially. And this to many people, including me, this looked like the best possible outcome and the best way to rescue it. So that rescue is really important, and BEZ doing the investment it's doing is super important. There are a lot of other things. The Better Government Association has started a new project with the McCormick Foundation called the Illinois Solutions Partnership, and that's mm-hmm. like a $10 million project that I think will improve state house coverage and political coverage, which has sometimes been cut back during the local news crisis. And Block Club Chicago is really, in an inspiring way, is kind of reinventing local news coverage. So Chicago's turned out to be kind of a center of innovation and, and of hope. Yeah, you, you found that Chicago's news scene is getting a lot of national attention, right? That's right. Now, and one thing that uh, I'd be curious what Victor has to think about this, but some people say that the BEZ and sometimes merger could be a national model. It's you know not quite unusual for a public radio station to take over a legacy newspaper and try to make it a go. And I think maybe it'll be a national model. It's certainly something that's being watched nationally, but now it's, Chicago might be unique in some ways. Its foundation scene is really strong, and there aren't very many places where the public radio station is winning drive time in the mornings. 
like PEC is. So it may be an outlier, but it also could be an inspiration and a model. Mm-hmm. Professor, why don't you weigh in here? What do you think of the uh, the news scene here in Chicago being viewed upon across the country? Yeah, I agree with Mark, and I think he's absolutely right to point out how this could be a national model or at least inspire us to think more creatively about these kinds of partnerships, especially as the market fails to support the local journalism that we need. We can look to public broadcasting stations to step into that vacuum. And so I think this is a very positive development, a a rare bit of good news within an otherwise very dismal media landscape. But I also think Mark is right to note that there are some particularities to the Chicago scene, or at least to the scenes of, of typically of, of large cities, where you do have well-resourced public broadcasting stations, you have a capital base that can support, whether we're talking about philanthropies or just individual listeners, mm-hmm. that can support this kind of journalism. And I, I'm not convinced that that can be replicated in, like, for example, news deserts across the country. Mark, talk more about that, the, the role that philanthropies are playing in preserving well, and transforming Chicago media. If you had to say one sentence what's happening in Chicago, it's nonprofits on the march. It used to be really dominated by the Tribune and Sun-Times, both for-profit institutions. You know, suddenly you're seeing nonprofits take the, you know, the big step. Now, that's good in some ways. It's not good in all ways. Nonprofits still have to, you know, balance the books. It's not like you can, they don't have to worry about money. They all, always have to worry about money. There are other situations. Another factor that may not be great about nonprofits is, for example, the Sun-Times becoming a nonprofit now cannot endorse candidates, and you will just have to see kind of how much they can talk about politics on their editorial pages, because under the IRS rules, they can't. And so there are some ways that nonprofits might not be the greatest. But when you look at what's happened, like with the Chicago Tribune being you know, taken over by a fairly kind of ravenous hedge fund that's not been a good player in its markets, when you see that happening, I think what you see with the BEZ sometimes merger certainly gives you more hope. So, Professor... To sum it up here, do you think philanthropies can solve the journalism crisis? Well, so the short answer is, unfortunately, I I don't think they can alone. But I completely agree with Mark that we're in this new golden age of nonprofit journalism. And I think they have a vitally important role to play in incubating new experiments and supporting journalism that the market will no longer support. So I think they have to be an important piece of the solution. I just don't think we can count on philanthropy to cover, again, all these news deserts to ensure that all members of society have a baseline level of of news and information. But they are absolutely part of the answer. Sticking with you for a moment, Professor, how does the U.S. compare to, to other countries when it comes to government support of media? It's actually quite shocking. I mean, the U.S. is almost literally off the chart for how little we fund our public broadcasting system compared to all major democracies across the planet. We are at the federal level. We're at about a dollar forty per person per year. If you compare that to the U.K., they're up to about a hundred dollars, uh, close to a hundred dollars to pay for the BBC. And then if you look at northern European countries, they're getting up to close to $200 per person. That also correlates with the strongest democracies on the planet. The U.S. is now unfortunately considered a flawed democracy, according to the Democracy Index. 
So, you know, it's not a great picture, but I'm optimistic that this might change, especially if we see this growing need for public responses to the journalism crisis. Yeah. How how do Americans, most Americans feel about tax money going to support the media? That's always going to be a difficult argument. But what's surprising is that survey data actually show that among, you know, in terms of what's legitimate to spend your taxes on, most consistently public broadcasting comes in second after the military. So and even across the political spectrum, there's surprisingly high levels of trust towards public broadcasting. So I think there is some hope. But in general, that is indeed a tough argument to make. And Mark, going back to the WBEZ Sun-Times partnership, in your research that you did for your, your recent article on local news, you asked local media leaders for their thoughts, right, on, on this merger. Mm-hmm. Tell us, what, what else did you hear? Give it to us well, straight. I, mean, you, I think everyone is optimistic, but they have many, many questions. Some of the topics of skepticism, from my mind, are the head of Chicago Public Media, CEO Matt Moog, has said, you know, that they will be adding 40 to 50 jobs in the merged entity. And that's that's great. I mean, I think everyone's waiting to see that happen. And and there's some level of skepticism because pretty much the whole trend has been fewer jobs overall in Chicago area for journalists. So if that happens, that's great. But I think people are, are waiting to see whether it really happens. Another really important question for working journalists is the whole claim that the WBZ and the sometimes will be independent newsrooms after the merger. Mm-hmm. And two things about that. I wonder whether that's actually the case because, you know, will they be talking about stories that they're doing? Will they be giving each other heads up on stories or on news events? You would think you'd want to. I mean, it seems like you don't gain the full advantages of a merger if you're not talking to each other a whole lot. So you think it's inevitable so, to remain two separate entities? I I think it's unlikely that it will remain two separate entities over the long term. And I wonder, even if that's a good idea, I would think it would be a better idea for it not and for it to really focus the individual newsrooms on what they're good at, pick their lanes, but also communicate and collaborate a whole lot. Hmm. Professor, any difference between local and national media when it comes to how much confidence or trust the public has in it? Yeah, that's another surprising finding that survey data consistently show us that even among constituencies who might have serious problems with the media, whenever we're talking in terms of their local media, local broadcasters, local newspapers, they tend to have warm, fuzzy feelings for them. So I do. it is showing that there are higher levels of trust towards local institutions, and that also gives me hope that Americans will be open-minded to public support for the local journalism that the market's no longer supporting. Mark, are you confident that we're going to continue seeing innovative ways to create and, and distribute news? I think so. One of the things that, that I want to just get at, and, and this kind of goes with what Victor saying, is that I think you have to have people, the public at large, view the journalism, local journalism in a different way. Instead of viewing it as a simple product, they have to view it as a public good because it is. In doing that, my article about the rise of nonprofit news in Chicago, one of the experts, Sue Cross, was telling me that she thought that foundation support was not necessarily sustainable, but that what they needed was ground-level regular people support, increased support for local journalism. In effect, viewing it the same way they would, you know, they would view any kind of local charity or local good organization that they wanted to support. Mm -hmm. And it does seem to be a migrating 
in improving public view toward journalism as a public good that deserves our support and not just a printed product that you pick up at the corner. Well, that's it for today's Reset. Make sure you always stay caught up on the goings-on in your own backyard by signing up for this podcast. We drop a new episode in your feed every day, Monday through Friday. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great rest of the day, and we'll catch you back here tomorrow with our weekly news recap. There was a lot of city and state news this week, so you won't want to miss it. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.